Welcome back, listeners. Really happy to have you together with us today for another episode of Pocket Change. Today, we have my friend James Moran, who is just a catalyst for change. We're going to talk quite a bit about his weight loss journey of losing over 200 pounds and how that has impacted him, tips and tricks, and different things on mindset and growth, the supplement industry. Uh, Stay tuned. There's nuggets in here for everybody. And welcome back, Pocket Change listeners. Today, I'm very excited. I've got a really great friend and uh, I would say fitness companion and uh, smart guy and awesome dad, James Moran. Welcome. Thank you, Kate. Thank you for having me on your podcast today. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. I saw you actually on I, I saw that you had posted that you had been on somebody else's podcast. And I was like, you podcast? Well, come on, come and sit with me for a bit here. Yeah, I uh, I had been connected with Nathaniel Ernst through uh, a friend of mine and and his Tyler Morgan, and he had asked me to come on his podcast and kind of just share my general story of my uh, my weight loss journey and and where I've come from there. And so I went on, and it was a very raw and open podcast and uh, different for me. So here we are doing it again because why not just jump on that bandwagon? Well, this is it, right? I mean, and and the thing is, is that I think that the, when we think of like weight loss, and I guess just for context, James, maybe what we can do is maybe just set the tone in terms of where you were um, several years ago to the journey of where you are now. And then, you know, I, I want to talk a little bit with our listeners about, um, you know, how you balanced it all as a husband, a father who's very active and engaged in the family, uh, home renovation guy, your Tim to your your Tim Taylor time uh, is there. Like I mean, like you've got a lot of things going on, and you're really really successful. So let's let's start at the beginning. Where did you start? So uh, the easiest way to to start my story, or at least go into how I got to where I'm at now would be my career that I was in before I even uh, got to the weight loss story or the change that I did. I was in an extremely demanding career that asked for me from me 16 hour days. Um, every day I, I ran an entire operation with a large team and network of people. And I I would start my day at four in the morning with not to mention the phone calls that I would take all night and it wouldn't be done until 21, 22 o'clock at night when I go to bed again and I'd probably get three phone calls overnight and that would just be rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat over and over again. Uh, for at one point, I worked legitimately six months straight. And when I say that, I don't mean I answered my phone on a few days off. I could X off a calendar that I worked six months straight of 12 to 16 hour days. And that was the expectation. And the uh, the industry I was in and where I was working had an expectation that that, that your value was based on what you gave not on not on what you brought to the table or anything else so we were all bred for uh, lack of a better term to to come to an operation and feel that the only value we had is if we're there and we were making an operation run and we were showing that we were present and that was what they expected so with that um with that mindset and and everything I, i left that industry for for a mixture of reasons and we can get into that in a bit but when i finally left that industry i was left in a position where uh, I, I, nothing was demanding that from me anymore. Nothing was asking for that that amount of um, 
the work ethic and and I guess everything else. And and I have always been the kind of person that 110% is all I know how to give. Mm-hmm. So no matter what I put myself into, and I, I had uh, done some contracting, some private contracting, worked for uh, some some smaller companies, and from there I went into uh, the career I'm in now. And this didn't demand that from me, so it was where do I put that energy and effort? So I uh, I, I had some things come up, and uh, and uh, we can go into my story of, of what triggered that I needed to lose weight. And back to the piece that we spoke about, that career that I was in really did help foster the fact that I'd gone to near 450 pounds. Um, that's confirmed now, actually. Uh, so for a while, I used to say I thought I was around 450 pounds. I was a little over that. I uh, confirmed that through some medical records. I was just at my doctor's office and I was like, hey, when you guys weighed me, what was my top weight? And it wasn't a fun conversation, but the point of the matter is, yeah. Well, and that, I mean, like, that's powerful, right? I mean, so when you think about, because, like, we've got people of all diversity walks of life, people who are professionals, people who are athletes, people who are uh, stay-at-home moms, people who are stay-at-home moms who also do jobs uh, early in the morning, right? Marissa, I'm talking to you. Um, and, you know, it's it's one of those things where how do you find the balance? where's the pitfall first? Like, how do you, like, you don't just wake up one day and you're like, holy, holy shit, I'm 450 pounds. Like, what's the dialogue? Because, I mean, I've been there with you, maybe not to that level, like 260 for me, but I'm, that's pretty big for my size, right? But for me, I thought I was hiding it. I saw a picture of myself and I was like, oh, I look like I'm running around with a bunch of uncooked bread and those black shorts that I thought was hiding all of this. And, you know, so for me, it was that one picture and I saw it and I said to myself, I will not see my child graduate high school if I stay on this track. I'm going to die. And that's an incredible feeling, right? Yeah. And it's it's it it's it's something that you have to wrap your head around. So I actually worked in an industry where I... Um, I could I got physicals every couple of years. It was part of the industry that I was in. I had to get physicals and medicals. And I'd found uh, the way it worked is they didn't set it up for you. You set it up for yourself. So I found if you went to different doctors every time and then just told them, yeah, I'm working on it. I lost like 36 pounds. That was my number. 36 pounds was just a simple number that they didn't expect to see a lot, but it was enough that they're like, he's done something, but it's not enough that they will be able to tell. So you just, you'd tell them that and they'd always put you through. Like it was, <laughs> so I, I was, I was in a, a level of denial for lack of a better term. And I don't think I ever really saw it. I even remember I, um, I started going to the big and tall store and as much as the big and tall store is great. And I'm glad that they have something like that. They also gouge their customers and charge you three times as much for the same items that you could get anywhere else. And further to that, back in, in, in those days, you couldn't find anything above a 1X in no. any store that you went no. to. Now I, I I pull off 4Xs off of racks in any store anywhere. So this has really changed. But back then it was you go to the big installer, George's, George's Big and Tall, I think it was, or the Big and Tall, Mr. Big and Tall, these different stores. And they made it easier to deceive yourself. Because when you walked in there, you weren't the biggest size on the shelf, right? So if you come from a mindset of, I used to walk into, you know, Old Navy or wherever, and I'd pick a shirt off and you'd find one that fits you, you walk in here and you're not picking the biggest size on that shelf. Yeah. You're picking somewhere here because they go right up to like 8X. And 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 even at 450 wow. pounds, I wasn't there. And it just helped me with that deceiving. And, and I poured myself into my work. And pouring myself into my work, which was an expectation from the work work that I did, it 
it helped me just not recognize what I was doing to myself or where I was going. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, I just couldn't see it. And my trigger moment even wasn't that I had recognized it or seen it in the mirror. My trigger moment didn't make me, wasn't a, a moment like that at all. It was actually, I was in Ottawa for work. And I had booked my hotel and I was going to be staying at uh, the hotel where our course was because obviously uh, being overweight, I wasn't looking to watch anywhere a long yeah. distance. And they moved it last minute and they moved it eight blocks away. But it was downtown Ottawa. I'm not sure if you're familiar, but it's beautiful. Yeah. You can walk yeah. anywhere. And it was uh, end of May, start of June. So I was walking daily to my course that was eight blocks away. And I think it was the third day, Wednesday. So the course started on Monday. I was walking every day with another guy that was staying at the same hotel as me. And every morning we would walk by our hotel. There was a Starbucks on the corner. We would get Starbucks and then we'd walk the eight blocks. Halfway through the walk, I'm drinking my Starbucks and all of a sudden I start feeling my heart start beating like out of control. And it, it felt like like a drum set that was just out of sync and somebody that didn't know how to play drums is playing it. And I started getting sweaty and I felt cold and I couldn't catch my breath. And I sat down against the wall that we were near. And the person I was traveling with, Glenn, I remember he was just pure on panic. And he was like, should I be calling 911? And I'm one thing that I told myself of being good at, which is not a skill as uh, I'm a very good compartmentalizer. So while I'm in the process of thinking I'm having a heart attack and, and dying, I'm also trying to calm Glenn down. Of course. And tell Glenn that he needs to just, don't worry, I'm okay. I just need a second as I'm slumping down. And in the truth, in the back of my mind, it was making my peace with God. I honestly thought I was dying. I, I pulled out my phone at one point to try to call my wife. And I couldn't lift my phone. Like out of, I, I got it out of my pocket and dropped it on the ground. I couldn't get it up. And there was just... This harrowing moment where I was like, I'm going to die against a building in Ottawa with Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> I like Glenn, but not that much, right? Yeah, I didn't know Glenn. I just met him that week, right? It's like, you know, I'm glad you care. But I um, and there was something about that moment for me. And then it just stopped. And I, I my heart corrected itself and and I was fine. And I got up and Glenn's like, you need to go to the hospital. And I was like, yeah. Just keep going, and I, I completely ignored it. When I got home, uh, after some good arguments with my wife about it, because uh, I told her the story, I went and saw my doctor, wore a halter monitor, and checked out everything else, did blood work, the whole panel, like right across the board, because we didn't know what it was, found nothing wrong with me. And I'll never forget coming into the office after all my results came back and sitting down with my doctor and him telling me that he's like, I, I reviewed everything. We went through it all. There's nothing wrong with you. And he sat back in his chair and he just said, and it shouldn't be that way. Like, and there should be something wrong with you, like with where you're at and so forth. And something about that just hit me so much harder than every medical, every doctor I'd seen, every nurse, you name it, said, you need to lose weight. Just that's it. Simple statement, you need to lose weight, lose weight, lose weight. He just said, you're okay, and you shouldn't be. Wow. Like, and there's something more powerful about that. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. a lot more profound than my wake up. You know, I, I mean, not that we're comparing stories, but you know <laughs> what I mean? It's just, I mean, it just, it, 
I think that there's this element, like when we think about, it's not even about self-image or body image, but it's about the general health and the ability to sustain and do the things that we love and be with the people that we we care about. I mean, I, I went for a walk before we jumped on and started recording. I've been walking a couple times a week, actually. Our nosy neighbors were asking us, well, you're walking an awful lot. I'm in a contest prep, right? So all I do is move until I can't. And, um, you know, so I went out for a walk and all I could think of was how great it was to be able to move my body and how great I felt at my age to be lifting the weight that I lift, to be running as fast as I can run, to be, you know, because when my dad was my age, he was old. That's it, it, and, and you're right. Uh, even looking at, at my dad now and, and so forth, right? They they were. And then and that's that mindset. And you have to be grateful about where you are. And I'm, I'm grateful every day. I It's funny that you say that because that makes me think of um, a time. I'm, I'm sure you've seen through my social media. I had uh, a lot of issues with my one leg. And I believe we've even talked about it before. Mm-hmm. With my, still live with it, but it's getting better uh, through some weird stuff. We we. Um, long story short, though, I had posted one of those many videos saying, like, can I just trade this Lego for a new one? And a cousin of mine um, who lives in southern Ontario, one of their kids, they they live on a farm and so forth, was unfortunately involved in a combine accident and lost their one leg below the knee. So in a, in a joking reply, they replied to that story saying, we have a bunch of spares if you'd like one. And I oh. felt so humbled in my life immediately. <laughs> like, I was like, oh, wow. I was like, and, and you know what? It's as much as they meant it as a joke, because I apologized profusely. And they were like, no, it's just a joke. We're kidding around with you, right? I was, that has never left my mind now. So yeah. no matter what it is or how bad I think it is, I think about that. And I'm like, somebody's got it worse. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's true. And, you know, it's very interesting. Like, even like you think about going into the diet mode, right? I mean, surely you can relate to when you first started managing your nutrition and counting calories and like the evolution of that. Like, for me, I just went slam. Like, I was like, I don't know what I was eating. It was a lot. Like, I mean, a lot. Like, I think my ex-husband and I, we would sit and we would do taco taco night and cops. And I would probably eat mm, 12 to myself 10 or 12 tacos i mean they're small they're you know i was a i have a healthy appetite people what can i say but and i could probably still do it right but the thing is it's like i just didn't think like i don't think i had that off switch right and so like eat neat 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 and then all of a sudden i come into this perspective of i need to lose weight so i jam my calories right down to 1200 because i'm reading on the internet that's what you're supposed to do and i've got all these little logbooks. i should take a screen pick like a, a picture and send it to you um i found some of my old nutrition journals and i am shook like they are bad right but again it's that that evolution Right. And so you you think about losing the weight and having a goal and being hungry. And I mean, like I live in that state for, I don't know, four to six months every time I decide to compete. And it's a choice. But there was a time when I was 19 years old and I had fled a very violent relationship. It got physically violent one time and I packed my shit and I left. And I lived on the streets for almost seven months in downtown Calgary, just couch surfing, right? I was very fortunate. I I had really great people and friends that I could be with, but I was living out of a backpack. I was the working homeless. I could afford to give people a little bit of cash for sleeping on their couch. I could afford to have maybe one meal a day. I had a cell phone and a bus pass, right? And so like, I think about it now and I might have, you know, like my morning meal and then I have like my mid morning meal and it's chicken and veggies. 
And it's this beautiful, skinless, boneless, shredded chicken that I make in my beautiful home in this suburban neighborhood that I live in. And all I can think to myself is, wow, I sure didn't have this when I was 19 years old riding a bus trying to figure out where I was going to sleep. And like that is, that's that's humbling, right? Like, it puts it into perspective. It, it really makes you think, right? Yeah. Like, um, I... I was fortunate uh, out of high school. I <clears throat> I started working right at 17 and a half in a career and, and, and it went from there. But when we grew up, we didn't have a lot of money. Yeah. But if you asked me if I ever even thought that we were, you know, in trouble or struggling or were even poor, um, I would have told you no. Because my parents made sure my brother and I, it was just the two of us, we never knew. Mm-hmm. Like we would have never known growing up. But definitely with the knowledge that I have now, I, I we we weren't in a great place. And it actually says a lot to the way my parents raised us and, and how they did it. They put us first yeah, all the yeah. time. Yeah. And so that's that mindset, but it's often that I look around and I just moved this year. As you saw, I said, I'm tinting. I, I think I, I honestly make that joke often that I am Tim Taylor because of how horribly some of my rails turn out that I have to redo all the time. But it's, um, and these are all things that that I'm I'm grateful that I'm able to do in my life, right? And even from the career I was in, because if anybody thinks that you can work a 16-hour-a-day job and a career that demands that from you, come home, take phone calls all night, get up the next morning and do it again and have any form of a life outside of that, a big shift and a big change I had to make in my life was changing my mindset from living to work to working to live. Mm-hmm. And and figuring out what that difference was and what it meant, and and then being grateful for what I had. Right, I am. Um, I'm so grateful. It's it's funny because I, I often get asked, well, why wouldn't you get somebody in to do these rentals, and why wouldn't you? I'm out working on my yard right now, which there's I've never done something more frustrating in my life than trying to get a yard to grow. I ever. I, I it's it's one that was neglected. To be clear, I'm just trying to bring it back to life, and I'm at the point that I just might rent a tiller until my entire year but back to that piece i keep getting asked why i don't pay somebody to come in and do it and it's not that i couldn't afford it or i couldn't find the money to do it it's that i am so appreciative of the fact that i have the time and the ability to do it yeah. and i love doing it and and as frustrated as i am and if you ever see me doing renos you're going to see me complaining a lot but in the back of my head i'm like yeah but i can do this right and yeah. I, I can accomplish it and it's, yeah. it's that, that mindset and being grateful for what you can do and, and being grateful for where you came from and, and recognizing those that that helped you along your way, right? Absolutely. So when you think about the when you think about the 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 highlight reel of your journey from that moment when you realized that you needed to change, and you think about the things that were hard, but you still did them. And the highlight reel of your your beautiful wife jumping in with you on this journey, <laughs> which is awesome. Like this, like so awesome. What 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 are those moments for you? Those those glimmers that keep you on this pathway that you're on. It it's funny because I, I I often get asked this or what was your motivation or what got you to do it. And the truth is, I told you that story that happened at the end of May and June, and I still didn't start in the gym until November six. Like I was, I I went into Anytime Fitness like every day, <laughs> not legitimately, but I was in there weekly talking to the manager about, yeah, today's the day I'm going to get the membership and then walking out and be like, yeah, no, 
right? And it was that mindset Starbucks. Fun. Yeah. And then, but that is a highlight reel for me because I, yeah. if consistency is a thing, I was very consistent at walking in there and then walking back out without a membership. Amazing. But hey, I got used to going to the gym. I um, highlight reels was it was people I met and and honestly and some of the most genuine people that that I met are people like yourself mm-hmm. that I didn't have that that relationship with that it was somebody that I talk about friendship a lot now. And I and I recognize that because through my journey, I lost a lot of friends. I lost a lot oh, of people yeah. that I thought were my friends. Yeah. And 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 I have a theory on that. And and I'm I'm actually I'm I'm so confident about it. I'll say it's not even a theory. It's the truth. And it's that when you're making a change and other people aren't, you make them feel vulnerable. And people don't know. They nobody likes the feeling of vulnerability. I don't care who you are. Nobody feels comfortable in it. No matter who you are or how good you think you are, or how good your mental health is, you don't like feeling vulnerable. Nobody does. And when you feel that feeling, if you can't recognize what you're feeling, it just feels bad. And you look at what's making you feel like that. And if somebody's doing something better and making themselves feel better, and you now feel that feeling and you can't recognize what it is, you don't realize that it's because you're looking at yourself in the mirror and realizing that you're not doing what they're doing. You look at them as the one making you feel like that and you lash out. And you say something that maybe you didn't mean in that moment. But either way, that's that's where I started losing a lot of friends. And like one of the comments I got all the time was, uh, you were funnier when you were fat. Because I used to do stand-up comedy. Um, and I people made that and would say that and it just bugged me. Because it's like, okay, so does that mean that the things that I was saying weren't what was funny? You were just laughing at me. And it's when I started to recognize that a lot of people kept me around or had me around because they made them feel better about themselves. But what I have noticed now, because that's something I had to give people. Like, you you always wonder when you have a friendship or when you're friends with somebody, like, is it is this genuine or is it because I have something to offer or something that they're getting from me, right? Yep. Yep. And when I was that larger person, what they were getting from me is that they could feel better about themselves, no matter what it was. And I'm not saying that for every person that's my friend, because I still have some that that I, I, I'm still friends with and so forth. But I lost a lot of them because I, I gave them the ability to feel better about themselves because they could sit there and go, well, at least I'm not him. And comparison and make that comparison. But now, part of my highlight reel to go back to that is that I make true, genuine relationships. Like, that I had nothing to offer these people at all. Like, honestly, Kate, what did I have to offer you ever than when we started talking? Yeah, Not a thing. Just- just optimism and camaraderie. I mean, like that you're you're not you're not wrong. And and I think you know when we, I I lost I lost a marriage, and um friends along the way. And and I you're right. It's that vulnerability, and it's also the fact that you know gluttony and misery love company. And when you're out making self improvement, and somebody's sitting at home with a bag of chips and a beer in their hand, and football is the only thing that matters to them, and watching four games on a Sunday, that's okay. Like I don't have a problem with that. I'm just not going to be sitting beside you for four games while you drink beer and eat chips, right? And it it when we start to go through our change, if we're not bringing the important people along with us, they're not going to join us. Right. And could I have done a better job of bringing my ex-husband along? Oh, probably. I mean, I was pretty young, didn't know what I didn't know and just knew that I needed to change because it literally hurt me to sit. It would hurt to sit on my couch and watch TV and eat my 12 tacos and a couple of cheese strings. Right. Like it's it's a lot. And but, you know, one thing for me and maybe the opposite is that I, I brought a lot of friends along the journey with me. And maybe that's 
a differential because I was with my childhood friends. Maybe it's because I'm female. I don't know. But, you know, for what it's worth, I had girlfriends who would walk 10 kilometers with me every Saturday or Sunday morning. We'd throw our babies in the carriages and we'd walk the Millennium Trail up in Whitehorse, Yukon twice, which is 5K each way. Um, or we'd take them to the park or we'd do whatever. Um, but it's just you think about those those relationships, those people who actually stood by your side. And I know you said you have a handful of them still. Those people are worth their weight in gold. Yeah, I don't think you could measure it, right? No. And I, I don't think you'll ever be able to. I, I had actually just moved um, two provinces over. I was living in Manitoba after having lived in, lived in BC. And in my old career, I, I moved around a lot. Uh, so all my 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 childhood and I grew up in a small town just uh, northeast of Winnipeg and uh, Manitoba and and so I had moved from Manitoba to well Alberta and at that time I um I didn't have like a lot of friends directly here to bring along with me right but I do have a lot of like people that I still contact and so forth but I just lost touch with like certain people I'd reach out to them and they'd want nothing to do with me or when I went home uh, to visit they just would make comments and and different kind of things and I recognized who my my true friends were for lack of a better term it's funny that you talk about um there's two two things that I love talking about when you when you talk about the people in your life and how they come with you have you ever heard the theory theory about the rocket ship and that you're a rocket ship and you're going into space and some of these friends or, or people that are there along the way they're your booster packs right they're not meant to go all the way with you but they're meant to help you get a little further right now and then they fall off because they're just not ready to go where you're going right now. And one day they might fall back to Earth and then they're going to become a rocket ship because they're going to get repurposed and they'll get booster packs that are going to help them along the way. They just weren't at the same place you were at that time. And I love that theory when you think about it because I, I harbor no resentment for anybody. I no. I, whether or not they had a problem with what I was doing or whatever it was, it, it doesn't make me feel good to ever feel a little against anybody. I might hope a few people step on Lego when they wake up in the morning, but that's about it. <laughs> You know, I it doesn't it doesn't serve us, right? I mean, I found that through this journey, like because I started losing my weight in two thousand and seven, and I lost a lot of weight between then and like two fourteen, and then you know it got some fappy weight, right? You meet a new person, you get that fat happy weight where you're drinking a little bit more. The gym's not such a priority, and uh, it was funny actually when Aaron and I got together, uh, we were like playing football and Ruth had cheer and we were doing all these different things. And I was like, Oh man, I was like, we cannot keep eating in pubs every single night. Like this is a lot, right? Like it's expensive, but not only that, but it's like, it's really hard on the body. We're both athletes. We got to smarten up. So <laughs> we decided to go to Jenny Craig and just check it out because we were like, oh, you know, whatever, right? So we went into Jenny Craig and they show us these meals. And I'm like, well, there's like almost no protein. It's almost all carbs and almost all fat. Like it's just filler food, right? And I was like, I can I can work with this, right? So we get a membership and we start going there and we drive all the way to this Jenny Craig every Saturday morning. We buy our week of meals and then we turn around and, you know, we drive home. So I think we're probably about six weeks in and we got fired from Jenny Craig. Like they wouldn't let us come and buy the food anymore because we weren't progressing on their plan. So so they had like their woman who would weigh us and measure us every week. And she's like, okay. And we became really good friends with her because we just sit and bullshit for two, you know, for the two appointments that we had booked and we'd pick our meals and have a good chat and whatever. 
And uh, we came in and she's like, yeah, so you guys are going to have to like shape up or ship out kind of thing. And so we got fired from Jenny Craig because we weren't participating in their program at a holistic level. So we tried to because be you didn't look good for their metrics? <laughs> That's exactly what it was, because their metrics were skewed because of us. You know, they cut us loose. Like, I don't know anybody else who's been fired from Jenny Craig. You literally got the shareholder cut? <laughs> this isn't going to look good <laughs> to the shareholders, so we're just going to need to let you go, all right? Hey, you know, thanks for coming. That's it, right? And so then I was like, okay, well, that's not good. And, you know, I started working with a coach again. And it's really interesting. I was talking to a friend of mine um, in the bodybuilding industry. And she was like, we were talking about how do you stay lean in the off season and still enjoy it, but still make really good gains, right? And it's all nutrition, right? How much are you moving? What quality food are you putting in? And I realized I have not been without a coach since 2014. It's been nine years that I've worked with someone to help me program, to listen to what I'm thinking, to, you know, help me nutrition myself. And what's really cool is the coach that I have right now, she and I are just so symbiotic where I actually email her and I say, this is what I want. What do you think? And she'll be like, yeah, that sounds great. Like this week I I said to her, like, I want my glutes and hamstrings to come in better for this upcoming competition. Um, They've never come in to my satisfaction or or liking. And I said, so on this meal, we have this many carbs and da, 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 da. And I was like, so let's just go and strip those out. Well, she came back with a whole different plan, which included removing all of those carbs as well as carbs from every other meal. Okay, great. Right. But, but you know what I mean? Like it's, it's that, that relationship where we can go and we can talk to somebody um, about, something as personal as our nutrition and how we're feeling and those types of things. You have 100% done it all on your own, haven't you? I, at the start, I had a, a trainer that helped me learn the gym and so forth. And then I, I went from there. I'm so I'm a research junkie for lack of a better term. I love yeah. reading different studies. I love reading different things. I, I listen to all kinds of different theories, but I try them all. There isn't a theory out there that I have not taken and tried for four weeks and if anybody wants to ask me muscle building is harder than losing weight hands down uh, i will say it a million times uh, losing weight is a hard game to get into and to find that mindset and work on on getting your headset into the losing weight place but as far as the, the the complexities of getting it done and being able to lose weight if you want to break it down to its simplest term calories in versus calories out really 100%. you can lose weight however yeah. building muscle Different world, hundred uh, together. If you, yeah. and and you know what, and and I've tried a million different things. And if anybody wants to know my opinion, I will quickly say the thing that I have had the most success with building muscle is carb cycling. And at the same breath, the hardest thing I ever did in my life, and the most frustrating thing, was carb cycling, because yeah. <laughs> I, I had to be like a muck. A, a mad scientist and do it. And if people are willing to put that kind of effort into it, it's great. And I mean, building muscle without gaining a lot of negative weight, right? There's mm-hmm. there's two sides to it. There is a simpler way, but when you come from where I came from, the idea of gaining any kind of negative weight is something that you just can't wrap your mind around, Absolutely. which is why I probably spent a year almost, well, I'll say maintaining. I spent probably in a, a year after I'd lost the 200 pounds. For those listening, I lost just over 200 pounds. And when I'd lost that after two years, I, I spent a year where I'm like, yeah, it's building muscle time, but I don't want to eat more than 2,500 calories a day. <laughs> so I'm yeah. going to, I remember I was, I was, I did all this research and I'm like, I'm going to build lean muscle. I know how to do it. I know the secret. And 
I feel that in my yeah, I feel that in my soul, right? Like, I mean, and I worked with a coach who is one of the most amazing humans I've ever met, and um, he had me on five thousand calories a day when I trained. And the goal was to actually push me to 200 pounds. I put, I went from 140 to 200 in that one season, uh, that one off season. It was two years long. And so it wasn't like we just slammed it on. But I'll tell you what, getting that weight off again was really, really, really hard. But I'll tell you, the tissue that I put on is undeniable. So, I mean, it you have to be passionate about it. You have to want that, right? It's that thought process, right? So back to your question, though, I, I did have a trainer at the start. They showed me the gym and they they I was just doing I would go and get like a full body workout plan to a session and then I go off on my own and then I come back and then I did a group fitness thing at one point before my two years was up where it was a group of people were getting like um, workouts and diet plans, like just emailed to them. And I was curious about it. And that wasn't for me no. at all. <laughs> like I was just like, that's not. And then everything else has been my own research. And I go to training classes and so forth. It's funny. You talk about getting uh, fired from Jenny Craig. I went to a, a fitness class in the seat for a friend. And the person that was leading the fitness class was new to the fitness industry. And they said probably one of my trigger statements, which is that bananas are too high in sugar and will make you gain weight. Right? It just triggers me. I didn't eat a banana for a year because of that influencer trap. So I heard this person say it. And they were also talking about carrots. And I was like, I was like, that that's not true. I was like, that's that's not true at all. Like, I called him out right away, and I was like, there's nobody. And the guy's like, oh, no, no, the, the high sugar content and the banana, and he went into the science behind it. And it was up. I was like, listen, on a standard diet, not bringing in medical uh, restrictions and things that, that that might need a doctor to tell you this, which you're not a certified doctor. I said, there, you show me one person that got overweight eating bananas. You show me that person and I will believe what you have to say right now, but you need to show it to me. And he goes, well, no, the science is there. I'm like, no, it's not. I'm like, I can, if you want me to show you 30 studies that show you that a banana will not make you gain weight, we can do it right now. Long story short, after the argument, I was told I couldn't come back to this fitness class. Uh, <laughs> but for a different reason, obviously, it wasn't because I wasn't doing anything else. It's just because I called him on his, on his bullshit. Uh, pardon my language. No, nope, you're fine. You're good. I, I, um. And that's something that I talk about often with people is um, the the influencer trap I call it, and mm-hmm. and I, I I like finding people that that can support what their statements are, bring a lot of knowledge to it, and and supplements is a great example. And I I tell people this often: if you go into a supplement store, and you're going into a supplement store, it's great to go in and ask their opinion because yes, they they should have a knowledge of their products and so forth, but you have to remember they are selling you a product. And if you just come in there to get told, no, you don't need this product, you are not a benefit to them. Mm-hmm. So when you start poking around or asking about specific products, they are going to find a way to make it work for you. Regardless of what it is, they're there to sell you product off their shelves. They don't make money just talking to you and telling you about products and why you shouldn't be using them, which is why things like fat burners fly off shelves and all these different things. Or the the the, the other day, and I, I talked about this actually on the, the Nathaniel Ernst podcast where they uh somebody was telling an individual in a supplement store that i walked in to get a shake which by the way i love that supplement stores stores make protein shakes now because it's just great when i'm on the road but i walked in to get one and this girl was asking about fat burners and he said uh the guy working at the supplement store said oh yeah if you take these fat burners you'll lose weight you don't even have to go to the gym so just do it while you're sitting there that's not 
my personal opinion, fat burners don't do much anyways, but they're definitely not going to do anything if you're just sitting in a desk at work and taking them. They, yeah, they might increase your your body heat or whatever else they do, depending on which fat burner you're buying, what's added into it and so forth. But it's not going to do that. But the point is, is this girl walked in saying, I don't want to go to the gym. I need something that's going to help me lose weight. And unless you're going to start taking Ozempic, which which has uh, whatever means and it's going to like curb your your hunger, which is what Ozempic does, then then no, that's, that's not, a fat burner doesn't just make you magically lose weight. It's like when people talk about, um, uh, well, for, for lack of a better term, steroids in the gym, right? And everybody's like, oh, they took steroids, they're big now. No, no, they still had to work. Like steroids don't just build muscle on your body because you put them in there, right? Like no. it's still work that you have to put into it. And fat burners and supplements and everything else, uh, depending on what you're buying, have the same kind of thing behind it. But when you walk into a supplement store, they are there to sell a product or sell any product on their shelves. And if they're not selling product, they're not making money. And if they're not making money, they can't keep those doors open. So you just need to recognize that, which is why I'm such a big supporter of third-party testing because supplement mm-hmm. rate industry is very unregulated, as you know. Very, yeah. And and if you don't have third-party testing, you don't know what you're – you can't say for sure you know what's in that scoop. You can be like, oh, I trust this brand, sure. You can, but you don't know without that stamp of approval on it. Either there's sports testing, third-party testing, uh, all kinds of different testing that you see on it. But back to that, I, I just the influencer trap, the I, the supplement stores. When you walk in that trap of they're trying to sell you something, and all these different things are, are what's making this industry so poisonous. Mm-hmm. Juice cleanses. I, I you know what? Whoever wants to do a juice cleanse, all the more power to you. If you're going to buy one, please read the back of the box and then put it next to a back of a box of Xlax. And when you see that you're looking at almost the same ingredients, you're cheaper off just buying a a meal squirt and a box of x lax you'll get the same thing and pay a quarter as much. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I, you know, and I think it, it comes down to the fact that, you know, we have such good times putting all that weight on for the most part. Um, and taking that weight off takes a lot of effort and and commitment and, and control, self-control and discipline. And, you know, it, it the, the supplement industry and the fitness industry in general is a fairly toxic place. And I find that um, you, you, you find quite a few people who are glimmers and who are, you know, quite wonderful. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I have been in the fitness industry for, you know, 15, almost 20 years. Right. But at the end of the day, I think the the predatory nature of the fact that they they prey on young people, they prey on desperate people, they prey on sick people, um, and they you know I, a really great example the other day Ruth went out and she was thrifting. She loves to thrift, so she went over to the thrift store here in town, and she came home with um, some cookbooks. She's really interested in managing her nutrition and enjoying the things that are healthy, and she wants to be creative. So she found this one, and we're going through it. And she's showing this to me and I had just come in. So I was kind of tired and I'm preparing a meal and I'm like looking over her shoulder at this book. And I was like, oh, and so it's got like, she's like, and it has all these different shakes in it. And I thought, well, that's really neat because that's one thing, you know, the girls love is, you know, making a shake with a scoop of protein. So we have strawberry protein, vanilla protein, chocolate, peanut butter, you name it, we have it. And, and tons of frozen fruits and different types of milks. And, you know, like it's a very holistic full meal for, for, for what they make it. And so then I look a little closer and it's Shakeology, right? So I don't know if you remember the the beach body movement that took place a couple of years ago. And I said to Ruth, I said, like, that is actually um, a cult 
type program. Now, is it effective 100%? Like people change their lives using that um, that methodology. You know, the little tiny Tupperware kits that were like different sizes. You were only allowed to have this much twice a day of the green one and this much, you know, and, 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 and so... We, we were going through it and I said to her, these are really good recipes. They're fantastic. That's great. Don't go out thinking that you're going to buy or find this shake mix because it's just pure sugar and carbohydrates and fillers and you're better off doing what we do at home. And she was just like, oh, I thought it was just Beachbody was like, you're going to get a Beachbody if you eat. <laughs> it's, it's because they don't. Um, it's actually, it's funny because I listened to a podcast. I can't remember the doctor that was on it. It was Mind Pump. They had somebody on about Ozempic. I love Mind Pump. Yes. Um, and, and if you haven't heard the one about Ozempic, listen to it. Because I was somebody that was skeptical too. It's 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 about, it's a diabetes medication and everybody's talking about that and so forth. And and Ozempic, just like um, what you just talked about with Shake Body and, and all these different, the problem with them is that they don't educate you. They just give you something to get you where you want to go and then they take it away and you don't have the tools or or anything necessary to continue it. So that's why so many people go right back to where they were, because now that they've, they've taken these shakes for however long it was or they've taken Ozempic for this doctor talks about it and he explains it really well. They give you Ozempic and it curbs your 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 weight or your uh, hunger and you don't have those cravings. And so you eat less because you just don't have them. And then we take it away. But we didn't educate you. Or teach you about healthy eating or teach you about the things that you should need or, or give you any kind of tools you needed to go forward without something managing your hunger. And now you're just you're hungry, so you eat just like you were when you were on Ozempic, but you eat more because you're hungry more often because now without it, it's not curbing that anymore. And because you haven't given the tools, that's why there's a lot of doctors that that will prescribe it. And then now they're prescribing it and saying, well, you're, once you get on this, you're on it for life. But that's not the case. Yeah. It's that these doctors don't have the knowledge or or the expertise to be able to teach them the skills they need to follow forward with healthy eating or or how to process or how to do this. So they take them off of it and they're they're basing it off of their clients per se or their their patients saying you gained all the weight back. So now I'm just going to tell everybody it's for life. But the truth is, if they said, hey, let's talk about um, macros and calories and, and how much you need to go through and what a maintenance level is and give them the education they need. The only person that should be prescribing Ozempic is a nutritionist. Agreed. It should be somebody that can then give you the skills and the tools you need to get off of it. It's like I read this thing about um, uh, you talk about inserts in your shoes and orthopedic inserts, right? And it's it's uh, the article was they're great. They help when people have like an incorrect step or so forth. But what's your exit plan? Because so many people go into it thinking you're supposed to take uh, like inserts into your shoes or orthopedic um, shoes and so forth for life. That is not what they're designed for. They're designed to be temporary. But most people just prescribe them and say, great, you're better now. And there's no exit plan. And that's the same with all of these different things. They're, they they say, we're going to put you on it. You're going to lose all the weight, and then we're going to pull you off it. But they didn't have an exit plan. They didn't know how to give them the skills or the tools to continue on from there. Yeah. Maybe so. they should learn from Jenny Craig. She, that bitch just kicked me off. Well, they did have an exit plan for you. <laughs> the apparently. exit plan was, you're upsetting our metrics. You need to go. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting, too, is you, you, you see there's actually quite a few of these semi-glutide um, Compo or uh, compounds out there uh, you know I mean there's actually a couple of them and and I I've used my fitness pal I don't know about you like I've used that app every day yeah 
every day for I think yesterday was three thousand three hundred and eighty-eight days or so. Like we're nine years in, right? Like I'm nine years in on that. And what what I really used to enjoy doing, like when I wanted to really just kind of turn my head off, or if I was feeling curious, I couldn't sleep. I don't want to really be on socials. I don't really care about people's political opinions, you know, shit like that. I'd flip open the community. And if you were to flip open the community on the app now and go into health and fitness and weight loss on the forums, it blows my mind, my ever-loving mind, how many people post individual posts about Wagovi or Ozempic or whatever. And they're, you know, or you get these people who are obsessive compulsive in terms of, you know, the things that they're, they're, they're doing or experiencing or eating. And it's a really, really wild place. I'm going to have to go check it out. You will. Like I'm, I'm very nosy. Like I'm probably the reason why Facebook has extreme security standards. Cause I used to just like click on a name. I, you know, you see one of those posts and somebody has like the stupidest comment of all life. And it's like, man, this person can't have a, so I click through, Oh good. No security. Fantastic. And then you can just watch through their whole life. And it's just like, wow, these people in Tennessee are wild. (laughs) (laughs) I took some online courses. Um, at Harvard Kennedy Business School, and I, I've been taking them lately. And <laughs> totally, when you hear somebody, because it's online and there's people from all over the world, right? As soon as somebody says something, you're like, oh, who's that? Right to Facebook, right? <laughs> like, yeah, like, LinkedIn. I, I do that all the time. Are they on LinkedIn? I did yeah. that with my uh, MBA. That's funny. So listen, you know, as we, we've kind of meandered around and talked about your story and really given people a really great idea of, you know, who you are and where you've kind of come from. If you were to leave people who are looking to get on a journey of health and wellness um, a message, what would that be? Everybody thinks that they can jump into it and do everything at once. And that is why most people fail as they try to take on everything at one time. It's just one step at a time. If you're looking at Mount Everest and you want to climb to the peak, you can't just will yourself to the top. you got to take it one step at a time. And everybody that goes in and thinks that they can immediately do a, you know, a split workout or a targeted workout plan, and then they can go from that to how much walking should I be doing every day, and then counting macros, and should be having the protein after or before my workout, what's my anabolic window, where do I need to put this into my day, and all these different things, you're going to get overwhelmed, mm-hmm. you're going to get frustrated, and you're going to quit. And that is the biggest issue that most people going into a workout plan where they fail, right? Or or to weight loss plan or any kind of journey, right? If you and failure is gonna happen. Just because you fail does not mean just because you're struggling doesn't mean you're failing. And just because you fail doesn't mean it's over. It's not about when you fail, it's about what you do after. And I'll tell you right now, mm-hmm. I lost 200 pounds in two years and I spent more time failing than I did winning. And I'm and, and that's just as simple as it is. And and these things drove me and challenged me. And you got to find a way to to harness that and let it help you move forward, right? You got guys like Bill Gates, his uh, his first company failed and crumbled to the ground. Milton Hershey failed two candy companies before he started Hershey's. Jim Carrey for eleven years was turned down and told he couldn't act. Right? These are all people that just didn't give up because they didn't let failure define who they were going to be, and they continued moving forward. And the last piece is, is we talked about it and I just wanted to touch on it, is it's important who you surround yourself with. And we mm-hmm. talked about our friends and stuff, but everybody talks about the top five people that you surround yourself with. And I have, I have an opinion on that because there's five people. So the top five people that you surround yourself with, number one is you. 
You are the person that you spend your most time with. You are the person. So your mindset is so important and how you think and what you do and how you present yourself are also important because you're the number one person you spend your time with. You're the number one person that you're around all of the time. So if you don't have the right mindset and you're negative, and you said earlier, misery loves company, right? Gluttony mm-hmm. loves company. That's why you need to figure out yourself first and you need to work on your mental mindset because you're the number one person that you spend your time with. You don't get to run away from yourself. You can run away from everybody else in your life, but no matter where you go, you're still with you. So if you don't get the right mindset, you're never going to succeed in anything else you want. So that is the number one. Number two is your significant other. Number three is usually a family member. Number four is a coworker, which means that fifth person is the only person you really get to choose at this point now. Because you've decided to sign on with your, you know, you have your significant other, you have family members and so forth. So that fifth person, the first person that you're deciding outside of that network that is just a part of your everyday, which is yourself, your family, and your coworker. That fifth person is the most important person you're going to choose. So choose wisely. Mm-hmm. That is the advice that I will put out there for anybody starting out. I love it. So if our listeners want to get in, in touch with you, they want to follow your journey um, and have a dose of this inspiration on the daily, how can they find you? Uh, I'm on Instagram at Big Papa Jam with two P's. So that's B-I-G-P-A-P-P-A-J-A-M. I started a YouTube channel, which is linked on there. It's not a lot right now, but hopefully it's going to be more. And I'm doing public speaking events that I'll be sharing on both the YouTube channel and uh, my Instagram. And eventually I'm going to make a site for it. So all that stuff will be shared on my Instagram. That's where you want to find me. Absolutely wonderful. Well, listeners, thank you. And Thank you, James, for taking the time to join us today. It was wonderful to have you. Um, we've we've talked about getting together so many times, and here we are in the same town on a, on a Teams call, uh, recording a podcast for our first coffee time. Great, we've broken the ice. Hallelujah. Listeners, thank you for joining us today. And as usual, if there's anybody you'd like to see us have on the show, any content you'd like to see us feature, reach out. A call doesn't cost a thing. Mm-hmm.